Dedicated to man's imagination, the theater of the mind. You know what our call letters WGN stand for, don't you? Welcome to WGN Radio Theater. Special three-hour presentation. And your hosts, Carl Amari and Lisa Wolf. All right, it's 1136, a late start here on the WGN Radio Theater program, 433. It's October 26th, and to my right... The vivacious one herself, Lisa Wolf. What's up, Lisa? Hi, Carl. We're glad to have you back from vacation. Oh, thank you. We missed you a little bit last week. Thank you, thank you. It was a lot of fun. I know. And uh, in this hour, we are not going to play Favorite Story, Frankenstein. We'll put that back on the shelf. But we will play, to start things off in just a moment, Beauty and the Beast. Here is Strange Dr. Weird. The Strange Dr. Weird. Good evening. Come in, won't you? Well, what's the matter? You seem a bit nervous. Perhaps the cemetery outside this house has upset you. But there are things far worse than cemeteries. For instance... The feeling of being cut off from the world by an insanely jealous man is in the story I want to tell you tonight. A story I call Beauty and the Beast. My story begins in New England on a lonely, desolate cliff overlooking the Atlantic Ocean. Near the edge of the cliff, which towers 200 feet above the rocks below, a young man stands, a mere shadow in the darkness of the night. Time and time again, he impatiently turns to look at the huge, foreboding old manor house, which is perched near the cliff's edge. Suddenly, out of the darkness, a beautiful girl appears and runs to his outstretched arms. Oh, Oh, Kathy, darling, why are you so late? I couldn't slip out of the house any sooner, Alan. Jason was watching my every move. Oh, Kathy, he's twice your age. I know. The ugliest man I've ever known. Whatever made you marry him? I don't know. After my father died, I was all alone. Jason kept after me to marry him. Something in his eyes forced me to say yes. I was afraid to refuse. Well, you're not going on living with him. I'm going to take you away. Oh, Alan, you don't know what you're saying. I can't leave. Why not? If I were to run away, Jason would follow you and kill you. He'd kill you the way he killed... The way he killed... Whom? You remember George Davis, don't you? Why, of course. He was Jason's secretary. Well, one evening, two weeks ago, Jason found me talking to George in the library. A thing he'd forbidden me to do. And the next morning, Jason told me he discharged George. And that he'd already left. But then I discovered that all of George's clothes were still in his room. His clothes were in his room? Yes. Surely if he'd been discharged, he'd have taken them with him. Then you think that I'm sure of it. He must have killed George that very night. He'll kill anyone he thinks is trying to take me away from him. Oh, darling, I couldn't stand to have anything happen to you. (laughs) Darling, nothing's going to happen to me, nor to you. I'm taking you away from here. What time can you meet me here tomorrow night? I think I can manage to slip away around nine o'clock. All right, darling, nine o'clock it is. Now you better return to the house before Jason misses you. (laughs) 
Catherine. Jason. Where were you, Catherine? Oh, I was just out getting some fresh air. You're lying. You slipped out to meet someone. No, Jason, really. I... Oh, Jason, my arm. You're hurting me. Who was it? Alan? What did Alan tell me? Oh, no. Take pardon, sir. But Sheriff Rogers is here to see you. Very well, Charles. Show him in. I'll do all the talking, Catherine. Good evening, Mr. Winthrop. Miss Winthrop. Sorry to intrude, but I must. What can I do for you, Sheriff? I understand you have a secretary, George Davis. I did have. I discharged him two weeks ago. Why are you so interested, Sheriff? Because his body was washed ashore this afternoon, Ooh. 20 miles down the coast. Well? There were deep gashes on the body as though it had fallen from a great height onto the rocks and the sea. It may be suicide, and it may be murder. You say it may be murder? Yeah. Surely you don't suspect I had anything to do with it, do you? I don't know. There have been some mighty strange things happening around here. Four months ago, Sam Arnold, your chauffeur, was murdered, and now... Sam Arnold? Murdered? You seem surprised, Miss Winthrop. Don't you know he was murdered? I'm afraid she doesn't, Sheriff. She's been ill for quite some time, so I kept the news from her. Oh, then she doesn't know that Arnold was stabbed to death less than a hundred yards from this house. Oh, no, no. I thought he'd been discharged. Who... Who did it? Well, we haven't found Sam's murder yet, Miss Winthrop. Now we have another mystery on our hands, the death of George Davis. Mr. Winthrop, I want you and your wife to be at the coroner's inquest in the village day after tomorrow. Quite a few questions we want to ask you about the deaths of both Sam Arnold and George Davis. There's a lot more going on around here than meets the eye. Dr. Weird's story will continue in a little while. And now I... Young man, before you go on... Remember where you are. You know what happens on this program to people who aren't careful what they say. Oh, uh, I'll be careful. I'm always careful. Careful with my facts whenever I talk about Adam Hats. You see, Adam Hats are so downright good-looking, I have to be careful about my enthusiasm. And the makers of Adam Hats are careful, too. Careful to see that every Adam is well-made. Look at any atom, and you can see for yourself the quality workmanship that goes into the designing of atom smart styling, perfect fit, and correct details. Care, too, is taken in the choice of material and color. That's why only genuine all-fur felt in the newest shades is used in atom hats. So if you're a careful dresser and a careful spender, choose an atom. Still priced at $3.45 to $10. Still... America's outstanding hat value. Now, back to Dr. Weird. And now I'll finish my story, Beauty and the Beast. Twenty-four hours have passed, each one of which has been an eternity to Kathy. Try as she would, she couldn't forget the deaths of Sam Arnold and George Davis. One thing seemed perfectly clear to her. Jason had murdered the two men in a jealous rage. He would stop at nothing in his madness. Her mind in a turmoil, Kathy waited tensely for nine o'clock and her meeting with Alan. Catherine, why do you keep looking at the clock every other minute? I'm uh, not aware that I am. Is it because you have some secret rendezvous with someone? No, no, no I haven't. You're lying. Whom are you going to meet? Tell me. Oh, Jason, I am. Tell me. No one. No one! You're lying! 
I ought to kill you. Yes, kill me. Get rid of me. So I can't testify tomorrow at the coroner's inquest. What are you talking about? You want to kill me because you're afraid of what I might tell them. You, I know you killed Sam Arnold and George Davis. Is that what you intend to tell them tomorrow? Yes, you're nothing but a murderer. Jason. Jason. Don't look at me that way, Jason. I'm not going to let you kill me. Stay away from me, Jason. I won't let you kill me. Put down that poker, Catherine. Put it down, I say. No, if you come any closer, Jason, I'll use it. Jason, don't go on you. I warned you, Jason. I warned you. Catherine, you mustn't cry. You struck Jason in self-defense. Oh, what are we going to do? We're going through with the plans I've made. I have two tickets and a plane for Mexico. And we're going tonight. Catherine! Jason! Oh, there you are. You're, you're not dead. I didn't kill you. No. The blow you struck me only... Helen, what are you doing here? I've come to take Kathy away, Jason. Helen, you don't know what you're saying. I'm warning you, Jason. Don't try to stop me. You don't understand, Ellen. She's a murderess. She killed two men. What are you saying? I never killed anyone. Helen, I'm telling you the truth. She killed Sam Arland and George A. Davis. You're lying. You're lying. I didn't. How could she possibly kill two men and not know it? Because she's insane. Insane? A homicidal maniac. There are times when she loses control of her mind. And when she does, she kills. And then she comes too and has no memory of it, I suppose. Yes, yes, that's it exactly. Just a minute before she pushed George Davis off this very cliff we're standing on, I heard her talking to him. Her voice was low, excited. The voice of a homicidal maniac. Before I could reach them, she'd pushed him off this cliff. And then she fainted. And when she regained consciousness, she had no memory of what had happened. No, no, it isn't true, Alan. He's trying to blame me for murders he's committed. Yes, I know, I know, dear. This story's very clever, Jason. But account rather nicely for the deaths of those two men, wouldn't it? I'm telling you the truth, do you hear? And I'm going to tell it to the coroner's jury tomorrow. I've protected her as long as I can. You're not going to tell the coroner's jury anything tomorrow. Ellen, she's insane. No. She has to be exposed for both our sakes. Right. Ellen, let go of me. Oh, you let don't go, deserve to live trying to make Kathy pay for your crimes. No, no, no Ellen. No. Don't. You, you must listen to me. <laughs> Ellen, don't. <laughs> there was no other way out, Kathy. It was insane. Utterly insane trying to make it appear that you murdered Sam Arnold and George Davis when he did it himself. What? He... Alan, what is it? What's wrong? I just remembered something. When Sam Arnold was murdered four months ago, Jason and I were on a hunting trip in Canada. Why, we heard the news together over Jason's portable radio. You mean Jason didn't kill Sam Arnold? I know he couldn't have. But, but if Jason didn't murder him, who? Kathy. Alan, why are you looking at me like that? You don't think that I did it, do you? Kathy, if Jason didn't do it, then what he said about you might have been true. You believe that it is true, don't you? I can see it in your eyes. You do believe I murdered Sam Arnold and George Davis, don't you? Kathy, the voice, it's, it's different. You do believe I murdered them. Don't you? Your voice is just the way Jason said it was before you pushed George Davis off the cliff. It's true. You did kill him, didn't you? Yes. Yes, I did. At times like this, I can remember. I killed Sam Arnold with a knife. And I pushed George Davis over the cliff. Would you like to know how I did it, Alan? Kathy, your voice, your eyes. Kathy, what are you up to? I pushed him off the cliff like this, Alan. Like this, Kathy, Alan. Kathy, look out! Alan, I'm slipping! I... Ah! 
Huh? Oh, she's gone. She was trying to kill me. And she fell over herself. She was the murderer. And nobody dreamed of suspecting her. Because she was so beautiful. Alan was right. Nobody dreamed of suspecting Kathy because she was so beautiful. But her husband, who was ugly, well, he was suspected right away. You see how handy a pretty face can be? Uh, sometimes. But there's an old saying, beauty is only skin deep. So be careful about walking on clifftops with lovely young women. One of them might be another Kathy. Oh, you have to go now. Well, perhaps you'll drop in on me again soon. Just look for the house on the other side of the cemetery. The house of Dr. Weird. So that is the strange Dr. Weird. A lot of clicks and pops in there. I apologize for that. That is not one of the shows that Mike Estella, our uh, genius engineer, um, digitally remastered. He gets rid of all of those clicks and pops, and that's why when you join the Classic Radio Club at ClassicRadioClub.com, every show you get in the Classic Radio Club does not have any clicks and pops like that. It's all perfect sound. Nor do the shows that we generally play here yeah. on WGN. Well, because we, di- we didn't know we were going to be playing that show, and so Mike had not had a chance to digitally remaster that. We just had that here as a spare show ready to go. Um, if We didn't know what time we were getting on the air, because of the World Series game. and uh, But I can kind of give you the rundown now. So we're going to go to news here. I'm sorry, we're going to go to spots here in a moment. We're going to come back. Hopefully we'll have time to play a little scary uh, three-minute radio show for you. If not, then we'll just take it up to news. And then in our second hour, we will have our game, Guess That Song. And we'll give away a great prize. We will play the Mole Mystery Theater from 1945. Good mystery show. Then at the 1 o'clock hour, we will again play our game. Uh, guess that song. Give away another great prize. And then we're going to play Lights Out Poltergeist. Very scary radio show here as we play Halloween programs. So right, we will be back on schedule. And um, on Sunday... Um, tomorrow we will have Dan Jaffe here. Right? Yeah, that's right. To do a Cat's Pride, another drawing of a year's supply of Cat's Pride kitty litter. So if you haven't sent in a photo, this is your opportunity. You're still time to get in for the drawing tomorrow night. Right. You can win a year's supply of Cat's Pride kitty litter, but make sure you get your photo in of your cat. Send it to Cat's Pride Photo at gmail.com. Right now, let's take a break and then it's more on the WGN Radio Theater. All right, Lisa, we will not have time to play this uh, scary little little three-minute show um, because we have uh, news coming up at midnight. But in our next hour, we have a very scary radio show called the Mole Mystery Theater from 1945. It's called The Doctor, His Wife, and the Clock. Huh? Hmm? What do you think? I, Sounds scary. It does. Well, this is our last weekend. I'm scared looking <laughs> at you. This is our last weekend of Halloween programming. So for uh, all those people who love the scary, you uh, know, enjoy it tonight. And for those people who have been complaining about the scary, you'll be up with us next weekend. Who, can, who complains about scary? We do have some listeners. I'm so sorry <laughs> so about like, that. It's too scary? It's too much. It's too scary. Well, we it's hard to some sleep. some comedy stuff, too. I know, but not tonight we didn't. Yeah, but it's so, Halloween. It comes once a year. I know. I 
think most people like the scary stuff. Most though. people do, but there are a few people who don't like all the scary shows. Well, and they'll be back with us next week. Of scary. Yes. In our third hour. Yeah, that's a lights. Out, yeah, I mean, that is everybody. The scary. That's the scariest of all the scary. Yeah, and it's a show called Poltergeist. Now, you know, some people the scarier the better, and others are like, I can't some listen like, tonight. Uh-uh. I'm not doing that, but I'll be back with you next weekend. See, working with you, I'm used <laughs> to scary. That's right, yeah, right? Exactly. Just make funny faces, and that's scary. All right. Well, um, you know what? If what? you like different things, variety of classic radio, you should join the classic radio. I like club. different things. Girl. Yeah, classic. Radio Club <laughs> is a club where you'll get 10 classic radio shows sent to you each and every month, either digitally on the computer or you can get CDs, five CDs with two shows on each of the CDs in a collector case. And uh, all of the information to join the Classic Radio Club. And these shows, by the way, mint sound, absolutely superior sound quality. Just go to ClassicRadioClub.com, right? Or you can call our toll-free number as well. It's uh, 888-642-6556. Yeah, and you know what, too, Lisa? What, too, Carl? August 1st, we're going on a cruise. Oh, we just uh, segued over to the cruise. Yeah. I can't Don't wait forget for the cruise. about that. I won't forget. I'm um, almost packed. We're going to Bermuda. <laughs> We are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we, we are. We're going on Oceana Cruise Line, oh, yeah. which is the finest. And we know that because that's my parents' favorite. So we know it's luxury. Listen, folks, her parents <laughs> could her parents could go on any cruise line. And they, that's the one they choose. That's right. So <laughs> they're your testimonial for Oceana. We're going to Bermuda for seven nights, August 1st of 2020. Uh, the ship is called Insignia. And we will be stopping at St. George and Hamilton. And we will have some great excursions and learn a little bit of the history of Bermuda. And we will have some classic radio fun as well with our listeners. We'll have prizes, and and we're just going to have a great time on the cruise. So we hope you'll check it out. Check out our banner, which is on our website at WGNRadioTheater.com, or call a toll-free number. 800-856-1155. That's Keen Luxury Travel. All right. When we come back from the news, it's the Mole Mystery Theater, then lights out. All right. In this hour, it is the Mole Mystery Theater with the Dr. Doctor, his wife, and the clock, hosted by Jeffrey Barnes. And then in our next hour, Lights Out. We're going to play our game, though, right now, right, Lisa? We sure are. Guess that song. It's a great game. And we are going to guess that song. We're going to be looking for caller number four. Are we going to guess that song? You are. I know what it is. <laughs> You're going to be guessing that song along with a lucky caller. What collar. year is it? it oh, I'm sorry. I forgot to tell you. This is 1976. No, it's not. It's 2019. I know. You used that joke two weeks ago. But it. <laughs> we are going to be hearing songs from 1976 and giving away a uh, Lumel Disco Not- era. We're getting My into era. it. And we're g- going to be giving away a Lumel Naughty's gift Saturday Night Fever changed my life, Lisa. I know. I've heard that before. I was wearing platform shoes at yep. that time, which got me up to 5'7 then. I highly doubt that. (laughs) You need a little bit more than platform shoes to get there. But we're going to be looking for caller number three. Call right now, 312-981-7200, and we'll be right back. Guess that song. We're going to play Guess That Song, and we have Steven on the line to play the game with us. Hey, Steven. Hi, how are you? I'm great. How are you? Good. I'm happy. I'm on the phone with you guys. Oh, I'm happy you're on the phone with us, too. Hi, Stephen. 
we, we've got right. so, we've got a 1976 song to start with, and I hope is that it's disco. It's disco-y. Right. Yeah, it has uh, a little disco feel to it. Let's see it. if we can do it. Let's hear it. Stephen, what is that song? I know it. You know it, Stephen? Yeah, I didn't hear. I didn't hear enough of it. I don't think I know it. Mm. It's do a little dance, make a little love, uh, get down tonight, get down tonight. Yeah. Is That's that what, what she is. played? Yeah, that is Casey and the Sunshine Band. Let's play it. That's the song she played. It needs to be louder. Though. It's Casey and the Sunshine Band, but that's not what it's called. What's it called? Just listen. Oh, shake, shake, shake. There it is. Shake your booty. That's it. Oh yeah. <laughs> well, I said do a little dance, make a little love. Yeah, that's a different song. No, that they is? say that in this song. Is that the same yes, song? Yes, it is. All right, so Stephen got look it. That he up. got it. Casey and the Sunshine. All right, band. so this song was directly inspired by the dance moves that the band witnessed in clubs. Okay. All right. All yeah. right. All right. Let's try the second one. Carl, you're going to hate this song. Oh boy. Okay, it's, a, it's a love let's ballad. Hear the second ballad. One. <laughs> That's all you get. I know it. Oh. You know that one, Stephen? Yeah, you could, he, that's he, one of my most favorite songs in the entire world. Say what is it? it? Yes! That's exactly right. Carl, you like that song? <laughs> Let's hear it. <laughs> this is a great song. I knew you'd hate it. What's wrong with that? I need to know. I need to know. Oh, I'd like to know. I'd like to know. <laughs> All right, Stephen so got it. You did. You, I'm so glad I chose this song for you, Stephen. Paul McCartney made a lot of music with his wife, Linda McCartney, and she is credited as a co-writer on this track. So you I are didn't the know that. yeah. See, you are the big winner, Stephen, and you have won a Lou Malnati's gift certificate for twenty five dollars. Lou Malnati's is oh yes, they are home of Chicago's best deep dish pizza. You can find one of their forty plus Chicagoland locations or order online at LouMalnati's.com. My favorite, Carl's favorite. I I hope you enjoy your pizza. Thank you so much for being caller number three. Way to go, Stephen. Okay, thank you. Thank Bye, you, buddy. Stephen. All right. It's time now for Mole Mystery Theater. Good mystery series that came to Radio 1943. It was hosted by Jeffrey Barnes. Actually, Jeffrey Barnes was Bernard Lenro, but that was his like stage name. Uh, crime fiction expert and connoisseur. It uh, came to uh, radio from New York City. It had top New York actors in it, like Joseph Julian, Richard Widmark, Frank Lovejoy, and Seymour, Raymond Edward Johnson. It was billed the best in mystery and detective fiction lasted until 1951. And we have a broadcast from December 21st, 1945, called The Doctor, His Wife, and the Clock. Here is part one now of the Mole Mystery Theater. And now the Mole Mystery Theater. Presented by M-O-L-L-E. Mole, the heavier brushless shaving cream for heavy beards. Good evening. This is Jeffrey Barnes welcoming you to the program that presents the best in detective and mystery fiction. Tonight's story is a classic of mystery literature and was written by that very famous writer, Anna Catherine Green. It is interesting to note that although it was written many years ago, its plot is just as cleverly constructed as the very best mystery stories of today. Anna Catherine Green's great classic, 
The Doctor, His Wife, and the Clock. This is the story of a man who's always imagining things. Or is he imagining things? Well, you just keep listening and see what you think. And now for tonight's play, The Doctor, His Wife, and The Clock. It is evening now of a day in the year of our Lord, 1851. The fitful heat and passion of the summer's day are spent, and there is peace again, and cool and quiet. Quiet, broken only by the rhythmic creaking of the small boat's oars. And the doctor sits and stares vacantly before him, then smiles down in silence at the quiet figure in his arms. See how he sits there, in a trance. More on the right, Horseman. On the right, yes, sir. He sees more than we'll ever know of. I've often heard his kind do. Quiet. She's asleep. Yes, Doctor. Is he... Is he mad? Who knows? Why should he not be? Look how peacefully she sleeps. Tell me. Isn't she beautiful? Yes, she is beautiful. Still. Beautiful. Father in heaven, can this be why you took my sight from me? So that at this moment I might not see her face? You think I'm mad. No, I... Yes, you do. Perhaps I am. I'm Karen on the river Styx. I am blind. I cross this river to the land of the dead. And I bear here in my arms Helen, my wife. Helen, whom I killed. Today I know peace. Peace. For the first time since... Since that day. That day I lost my eyes. That day. My poor darling. Helen, I was in the laboratory and I was... Holding the retort in my left hand. There was an explosion. And now they say I'll never see again. I'll be with you always. I'll be your eyes. I won't see you. Your face. Your lovely eyes. Your hair. I'll never see them. Still... One learns to live with an affliction, even being blind. Life can still be sweet in some measure. No man is wretched who has the love of his wife, the companionship of a faithful friend like Ted Stanton. <laughs> By Joe, you whipped me again, Constant. I don't see how you do it. I simply keep a picture of the chessboard in my mind's eye and remember what moves are made. <laughs> it's fantastic. Tomorrow night I'll do better, I warn you. <laughs> It's good of you to keep me company, Ted. When you're here with me, Helen at least consents to leave the house for a walk. She's too good to me. You deserve the best, Constant. And I've got it. Helen, you, several good friends. What more could a man ask? 
Have a cigar, Ted. Thanks. Well, for a man who doesn't smoke, you keep very fine cigars. <laughs> I, uh... I hope all your friends are all you think them constant. My dear Ted, I know you and David Dexter don't get on, but don't let stir up past quarrels. Your differences with Dexter are your affair, but don't involve me. I think he comes here too much. He... Uh... <laughs> Sorry, Constant. I have no right to meddle in your affairs either. He comes here too much? To pass the time of day with a man who can go out so little? I trust all his visits are renounced to the gentleman of the house. W- what do you mean? I've never pretended to have anything but hatred for that man. But quite apart from that, I don't like his attitude towards Helen. Ted, are you insinuating that my wife... Must I ask you to leave, Ted? Not Helen. Of course not. I don't dream she offers him any encouragement. Come, 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 come now, Ted. I value your opinion on everything in this world with one exception. And that is Dexter. Let's speak no more about it. Uh, As you wish. We'll have another game. And something tells me that I shall beat you soundly again. (laughs) I dismissed Stanton's ill-founded suspicions entirely from my mind. And yet, when even so small a seed has been planted, it requires only the most accidental circumstance to bring that little seed to germination. Yes, I'll deliver the message, too. Good day. Harry? Did you call me, sir? Uh, who was that at the door, Harry? Oh, it was just a package for Madam, sir. Oh, I recall she said she'd been to Arnold and Constable this morning. Was that it? Oh, oh no, sir. It was a servant with a little package, sir. He said to give Mr. Dexter's compliments to Madam and that he was returning the handkerchief Madam left in his carriage this morning, sir. In the carriage? But I thought... Harry, ask madam to join me here in the library if she'll be so good. Tea is ready. Another cup of tea, dear? No, thank you. Uh, Did you get what you needed at Arnold and Constable? Yes. Not quite the color I wanted, but near enough. Did you, uh... Meet anyone on your way? No. Oh, I I did see Mrs. Hasbrook there. We must ask them to dinner. Our next-door neighbors, and we see them so seldom. No one else? No. Did Harry drive you? No. It it was such a lovely day, I decided to walk. And you did? Of course. It's not so far, Constant. You're sure you won't have more tea? No, I'm sure. I'm quite sure. I mean, I'm... Quite sure I won't have more tea. A small thing, yes. But Helen had lied to me. And that fact gnawed away in my consciousness. Don't tell me more, Ted. I... I refuse to listen. I tell you only what you have a right to know. If you knew what this is like, what torture it is... I am blind. I cannot know anything except what I'm told. How can I know what to believe? I'm helpless, utterly helpless. You are still a man. You still have honor. No, 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 no. I must not give way to these things, to these wild suspicions. A hundred times a day I stop to think, is this so? 
Is this or that true? Is such and such the case? Or have I only been told that it is so? I know nothing of my own knowledge. I can believe no one. I must stop this. Perhaps if I were to leave town for a day or two, if, if I had a little change... Well, why not? Yes. Yes, that's it. I should get away. As a matter of fact, an old colleague of mine at Poughkeepsie has asked me to visit him. I'll tell Helen and go this very evening. It'll be a change. You live too much with yourself, Constance. Yes, yes, you're right. But then, for the blind, there's so little choice. In everything, so little choice. Thank you, Harry. You tell my wife I started safely on my way and will be home day after tomorrow at the latest. Are you sure you'll be all right, sir? Madam expected me to make the journey with you. I shall be quite all right. Thank you, Harry. I hope you have a pleasant trip, sir. Uh, uh, goodbye, sir. Goodbye, Harry. Constance! Constance! Ted! What a surprise! I came to wish you a good journey. Well, thank you, Ted. Thank you. <laughs> I, uh... I thought I saw your man Harry on the platform. Yes, very likely. I decided at the last minute to go alone. Oh, at the last minute? Yes. Helen urged me to take him with me, but it's really not necessary. So, Helen assumes that he is going with you still? Yes. I see. Ted, what do you mean by that? Uh, nothing. Except, uh, Harry is the only servant who sleeps on the ground floor, isn't he? Why, yes, the others are all on the top floor. It seemed wise to have him there near the door. You understand I feel my own inability to offer much protection for Helen. If there were to be a visitor and Harry were not there, no one would know. And Helen expects Harry as well as you to be absent this evening. You mean... I mean, if Helen were to choose an evening to receive a visitor, what better opportunity than this could there be? Yes... Perfect opportunity. If you're mistaken, there's no harm done. You could always offer some excuse for your return. My return? Yes, yeah, some reason why you didn't go to Poughkeepsie after all. Why you returned home so... so unexpectedly. Come on, I'll take you in my carriage. That's the first portion of the Mole Mystery Theater. More after these words. All right, after news, we'll have the conclusion to the Mole Mystery Theater, Lisa. And then, you know what we're going to do in our top of the hour? I sure do. For hour number three, we're going to play a very scary radio show. So for those of you who love scary, we've got Lights Out coming up with Arch Obler. Texting and driving is very serious. Remember, safe driving is everyone's responsibility. Put the phone down and don't text and drive. This message, courtesy of Blaine's Automotive, located, located at 11917 South Arrow Drive in Plainfield. For the best in automobile service, stop by 11917 South Arrow Drive in Plainfield or call 630-877-0097. 630-877-0097. That's Blaine's Automotive on the air, reminding everyone to arrive alive, don't text and drive. I don't ever text and drive. That's right. And knows. We carpool together, and I put my phone down. 
Well, I, I never text and drive. There's no chance that I would drive with you right. if you were texting oh, and driving. You should see this <laughs> this uh, young lady over here, what it's like to drive with her. Holy moly. What Batman. is it like to drive with me, Carl? Well, look at today. It was raining. She was like, can't please. No, what, can you know you, what I did? Can you go slow? I asked can, if you wanted to meet 15 slow? minutes early so we could take our, tri- our take our time driving. Now, didn't I go really slow for you? You did. Is I it, was stayed it for me? Behind, yeah. Would you have done it differently had I not been in the car? Yeah. All right. Well, I my would've. mom told me to tell you to drive She's slowly. Like, my mom, <laughs> Alice, asked me to ask you if you could drive slower today, and I did. And you did. I'm not going to. I'm not going to disobey your mother. <laughs> That's for sure. I don't want to get in trouble with your mom. That's right, you don't. I mean, she's, she's, uh, I don't want to get on her bad side. No, you don't. No. That is absolutely Your correct. dad's bad side either. I don't want that's, to get on his bad side either. That's for sure. So I took my time. I drove really nice and slow. Yep. And got us here. That's right. Safe and sound. Thank that's you. Right. I appreciate that. You're welcome. And no texting. That's right. No right. texting. We're listening to the Mole Mystery Theater. M-O-L-L-E, Mole, the brushless shave cream. Is that what you use when you shave? I mole? do not. <laughs> <laughs> I do shave. I don't use Mole. <laughs> All right, let's get back to the Mole Mystery Theater. Let me get there. I'll go in with you, Constance. No, I will do this alone. Don't you understand if you can't see? No. That won't help the wretch. I have ears, Ted, and I know every step and door and corner of that house. No, being blind, one develops other faculties. He shan't escape me. You may be desperate, Constant, if you're surprised this way. I should never forgive myself if anything happened to you. You should have some protection. Yes. Yes, perhaps I should. Have you a pistol, Ted? Yes, I have it with me. Let me have it. But, Constant, how can it be of help to you when you... Let me have it, Ted. I am blind, but I am not helpless. And this... I must do myself. Ted left me at the corner of my street, and then I started alone down the block. Every step of the way was familiar to me, just 63 paces from the corner to my own doorstep. I took out my keys, but the lock was stiff. Took some forcing to make it give. Then I started up the stairs, counting them. One by one, I cocked the pistol in readiness, for I feared the man would take advantage of my blindness and escape. I reached the top of the stairs, went four paces forward, then three to the right. The door should be here. Slowly, I turned the knob, opened the door, and listened. My finger on the trigger. What is... Huh? Who's there? Oh, my chest! My... I was breathing heavily in the great excitement. A great sense of triumph stirred within me. And then it struck me, those few mumbled words. They were not Dexter's voice. Helen, where was she? Why was there no outcry from her? I staggered back two steps, then reached out to set the pistol on my dresser. Found myself pawing at empty air. My dresser wasn't there. I moved forward again, broke to my right for Helen's chaise long, stumbled against what felt like a small table such as one we did not own. Then I knew what I had done. 
I had shot the wrong man. I was in the wrong house. I fled from the house as fast as I could before I should be discovered. I realized how it had happened at once. In my excited state, I'd taken longer steps than usual. The 63 paces had carried me beyond my house to the next one. One of several of similar construction and layout, as is so often the case on a city block. I hurried to my own door, flinging the pistol in the gutter. Who is it? Who's there? My husband's not in... Constant? Oh! Oh, my... Oh, my dear, you... You startled me so. I thought you were in Poughkeepsie. I... Constant, what is it? You look so strange. I... I've decided not to go, after all. Are we quite alone, Helen? Why, yes. You've been alone all evening? Yes. That's odd. I suppose I'm sensitive to these things because I don't smoke myself. I would swear I detect the odor of cigar smoke. Oh, who could that be? I'll, I'll, I'll get it, Constant. Oh, ma'am, I'm the servant from next door. My master, poor Mr. Hasbrook, he's been murdered, ma'am. Shot and lying in a pool of blood. <laughs> You know the rest. The unknown murderer was never identified. The pistol was never found. A year and a half passed and the crime was all but forgotten. And then one day Helen had a caller. I took care to hear all that was said without being seen myself. For I now guarded Helen like a hawk, always suspicious, always alert. The old trust and confidence quite gone. From outside the door I listened. My name is Grice. I am the detective who testified at the inquest concerning your neighbor, the late Mr. Hasbrook. Oh, I, I'm sure I don't see how I can be of any help to you. But of course, I shall be happy to assist you in any way I can. There is one puzzling detail. On the night of Mr. Hasbrook's murder, a woman's scream was heard by the whole neighborhood. It was not Mrs. Hasbrook. It was none of the Hasbrook servants. Of that, we are quite sure. Could you say who it was? Did you hear it? Do you have any idea? I... Well, you see, I... I, I hardly... Helen, you in here? Yes, Constant. Oh, yes, of course. You have someone with you, a friend? No, Constant. It, it's Mr. Grice, police officer. How fortunate. I can save you further trouble, Mr. Grice. Constant. You see, I shot Mr. Hasbrook. Constant. Good heavens. I can't understand how he imagines these things, Mr. Grice. Mr. Hasbrook was a friend. My husband had nothing against him. Furthermore, you see, he's blind. He couldn't have done this thing. Yet I did. I entered the door, climbed the stairs, and when I heard his voice, I shot in the direction of the sound. I killed him. Uh, doctor, just a moment. Even a confession requires evidence to support it. And what possible motive could you have had? I will answer any questions you choose to ask about how I shot Mr. Hasbrook. But as to why, there is nothing I can say. You see, Mr. Grice, it's a delusion, pure and simple. He could not have done it. Don't you understand? Whatever he says, he could not have done it. They wouldn't believe me. I told them the truth and they would not believe me. 
For them, there was only one alternative. If I were not a murderer, as they believed, I must be a madman. Mr. Grice, you're quite convinced I could not have done this murder. I confess I am, sir. And I am being judged a madman because I insist I did do the shooting? Three of the four examining physicians are inclined to think your mind has undergone some uh, temporary derangement. I was never saner in my life, and I can prove it. Prove it, sir? Constant, listen to me. I don't know what rash idea of yours this is, but listen to me. I know you've been cold. You've repulsed my affections. You've been a stranger to me ever since that, that awful night. But I love you, Constant. I'm your wife. Trust me. Forget these delusions. Oh, Constant, you're guilty of nothing but your own imaginings. I am mad or I am a murderer. I will show you that it's not the first. I am not mad. Constant. I'll show you. You, Grace, you will be the judge. You'll see if I can reach my mark with a pistol. Arrange a test. You'll see I'm not mad. <laughs> Doctor, we've done our best to arrange a fair test. Thank you. It seemed wiser to come over to Jersey so there would be no danger to anyone if the shot goes wild. I understand. You will have one shot at a small clock which has been placed nearby and which will shortly strike the hour of five. You, guided by the sound, will attempt to hit it. Is that satisfactory? Quite satisfactory. Will it strike soon? In just a few moments. Where is my wife? On the other side of the field, a good ten paces from the stump on which we put the clock. Quiet. Quiet. No one move. I must have my ears free to catch the first stroke of the clock. What happened? My wife. She screamed. What happened? Dear Lord, protect us. Doctor, you have... Yes, yes, we'll go on. In the name of God, will someone tell me? What's that? It's the clock on the stump. Then what did I hit? What did I hit? Doctor, I... Tell me, tell me! Where was that other clock? The clock I hit! It was... It must have been concealed beneath your wife's cloak. She must have held it there, close to her. No, 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 yes, not... doctor. Your wife. I'm going to. Her. Here, I let me help. No, let go of my arm. Let go of me. Careful. Helen. 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 Uh, Helen. Uh, Helen. Oh, wasn't I guilty enough? Why did you do this? Why did you do this to me? I. I had to know, Constant. I. And I knew if you were innocent, I should be safe. Because you would miss. If you were guilty. If you were guilty, I, I didn't want to live. I didn't want to live without you, Constance. Oh, Helen, my, my dearest, my dearest. You doubted me, Constance. You thought... No, 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 no. If I did, I was mad. Oh, Helen, my dearest one. I, I, I wanted to prove to you, Constance. I, I was only yours, Constance. Only yours. Oh, Helen... Helen! Helen! Hey! Helen! 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 Helen!
Helen, 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 Helen. Hey. Let no one touch her. I shall carry her to the boat myself. No other hand shall ever touch her. More on the right, Osman. Yes, sir. See? See? How peacefully she sleeps? Helen. A poor doctor. I shall die soon. Then men will say I have paid for my crime. My crime. My crime. Could it have been... I loved her too much? It is evening now, and mists are rising from the water's edge. The fitful heat and passion of the summer's day are spent, and there is peace again. This is Jeffrey Barnes again, inviting you to be with us next week when we present Blind Man's Bluff, written by Hank Warner. Be sure to join us next week when we present Blind Man's Bluff. The Doctor, His Wife, and the Clock was written by Anna Catherine Green and was adapted for radio by Don Agger. The original music was composed and conducted by Alexander Semler. Carl Swenson was featured in tonight's program. This is Dan Seymour saying goodnight until next week when the Mystery Theater presents Blind Man's Bluff. Tonight's Mystery Theater presentation has come to you from our RCA building studios in New York. This is the National Broadcasting Company. At the very end there, it sounded like someone opened a door. Did you hear that? It sounded like a creaking door. Like before a creaking they, door? Yeah, there was like a little door. Somebody was opening a door to they the studio. They probably were. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> that was the doctor, his wife, and the clock. Uh, and that uh, had a fellow Carl in there yeah. starring in it. Only he, he spells, spells it with the K. With a K. What the heck is that? That's not right. That's crazy. Now, your mom did it right. <laughs> the doctor, his wife, and the clock. And you know, the announcer on there, he had twenty twenty vision. Did you know that? Dan Seymour? He can see more. Mm. 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 You could see more if you have even better than 2020. Do you know what's yeah. better than 2020? Do you know which direction it goes? Um, 21, 21? 
Nope, it goes the other way. Like 2010 is better than 2020. It is? It is. How do you know that? Because I know stuff. I know you do. You're pretty smart. <laughs> you're usually, she, I mean, just to correct, just to, just to how clarify. How many masters do you, degrees do you just have? Just a again? couple. So last uh, hour when we did the song with Casey and the Sunshine Band, it was Shake Your Booty. <laughs> and you said that's the same song as Get Down Tonight. <laughs> well, so just to clarify, they are both Casey and the Sunshine Band, two different can songs. Can I just say this though? Yeah. What, how much fun would it be? It wouldn't be very fun at all if I was always right and you're, because you're always right. No, that would be not so, fun. So you're always right. And then what if I was always right? I wouldn't like there that. It wouldn't be, it would be not good. I wouldn't, I can't even picture it's that. It's better <laughs> that I'm wrong most of the time. No, all of the time. Most. When are you not wrong? And then you're wrong, I mean, right all of the time. Mm-hmm. So it's, it makes, it, it, makes it, sense. it just makes for better fodder. You better know, radio, better, better banter. That yeah. I'm wrong and you're right. Yeah, and I argue that I'm and, right even though I'm and wrong. Even though you're wrong and you always think you're right, but you're not. Right. So that's okay. Wrong. So wrong. right. All right. Let's take a quick break. <laughs> then it's more on the WGN Radio Theater. Lisa and I have a lot in common. One of the things we have in common is we are both uh, kind of teeth lunatics. Right? That's we brush true. our teeth a lot. And we go to the dentist Floss a lot. and go to the dentist a lot. A little extra so just here's, for those cleanings. Here's a little uh, opus about going to the dentist for Halloween. You're still there? Good. Well, permit me to try you with the humorous type of horror. Horror can't have humor? <laughs> Listen to... A day at the dentist. The doctor will see you now. Oh, thank you. Come in, sir. Come in. I'll see you in the morning, nurse. And when you go out, lock the outer door. Mr. Houseman will be my last patient. Yes, doctor. Come in, sir. Come in. Well, thank you, doctor, for seeing me without an appointment. It's my pleasure. Oh, will you get in the chair? Oh, thank you. You know, I used to come here to Dr. Charles. I didn't know you'd taken over. <laughs> Are you all comfortable? Yes, indeed. Now, what seems to be the trouble? Well, I have a toothache. <laughs> oh, yes, we can fix that in a hurry. Nothing serious. Say, are you sure it's painless, Doctor? It's funny me saying that, but here I used to play football and wrestle, but there's one thing I sure can't stand is a little pain. You know, drilling and things like that. Oh, no. No pain. Well, the straps. (laughs) Why are you strapping me in? Don't be alarmed. In order to keep this painless, there must be absolutely no movement. Oh. There you are. Snug as a bug in a rug. That's a curious thing to call you, isn't it? You're no bug. You're the lover type, aren't you? Why? When I first heard your name, I wasn't sure, but when you came through the door, I... What the hell is this? Mary Elson. Mary? What do you mean? Surely you haven't forgotten Mary, lover boy. What you did to her was very special, wasn't it? Worth remembering. Worth talking about. Worth slobbering over. Who the hell are you? Her husband. Let me out of here. You won't break those straps. 
They've been waiting just for you. <laughs> That's why I bought out Dr. Charles' practice. Because I knew that sooner or later you'd come back to him. The painless dentist. <laughs> now you're here. Now you're here. What? The drill? What are you going to do? Nothing important. Just going to drill a little hole to let out some of the lover boy. Oh, no. What are you going to do? What? What? Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. Please. Please. No. 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 Yes, lover boy. Isn't that sound fun? Oh, Next I'm, time you go to the dentist, think about that, no, Lisa. I, I'm, no, you've ruined me for the whole <laughs> evening. <laughs> I'm shuddering. Did you, did you recognize the voice of the dentist there? Well, we, we know who that I is. I mean, you know who it is, right? Well, sure. Hal Perry. Yeah. I Throck mean, Morton P. Gildersleeve. He was so calm and cool. That I know. Man. See? I mean, and here mm. we're used to hearing him in a comedy, Yeah. right? And here he was this... <laughs> Dentist bent on revenge. Yep, that's true. Yeah, that's uh, Arch Obler put out a record in the uh, 80s, I believe it was, 70s or 80s, late 70s, called Drop Dead. And there were all of these little um, scary vignettes like that. The most famous one that was on there was The Dark. And we were going to play that earlier, but we had a we had a little problem with it. Um, I don't know if we'll have time tomorrow to play it or not, but uh, if not, I know Dave Plyer plays it a lot, The Dark. It's where the um, these uh, people are being turned inside out. It's really creepy. But that Dark album, The uh, the Dark, which I, I bought back in the 80s, fantastic. Great stuff. Arch yeah. Obler, who created Lights Out. And that's what we have in our next hour, Lights Out. All right, it's six minutes after 1 o'clock in the morning. It is Sunday morning. And we're heading into Halloween. This is our last uh, of the Halloween scary radio shows, and it's a good one. Lights out. Well, to, well, well tonight. it's our last for tonight. Yeah, for tonight. But well, we have a couple more coming up tonight. Yeah, inner Sanctum night. Mystery and Suspense when we come back here at uh, 11 p.m. Yep. But in this hour, Lights Out with Poltergeist, hosted by Arch Obler, who wrote that story, A Day at the Dentist. Okay. You're going to like it. 1942 broadcast. But right now, it's time to play our game. Guess that song. Yes. All right. We're going to be giving away a desktop indoor weather station brought to you by American Weathermakers. I don't know if you heard last week, I told the winner who won that, that he has a prize that you will never, ever, ever have. I did have. hear you say that. <laughs> you heard and that? by the way, Guess That Song is brought to you by Cat's Pride. It sure is. Okay. And um, we will be talking with the Cat's Pride guys tonight yeah. at around 11 o'clock, so you can stay tuned for that. So we are still in 1976. I've got a a couple of great songs disco? in store. Um, no, they are not disco. What? Not this hour. So you can give us a call right now at 312-981-7200. Looking for caller number two. And we'll be right back. Guess that song. We are going to guess that song. And we've got David on the phone to play the game with us. Hey, how are you? Most satisfactory. Terrific. Glad that you have made it on the show with us. And uh, we're still on 1976. And Carl, of course, can be your helper. Hi, Dave. Uh, greetings, Carl. Good greetings, Lisa. All right. Here All we right. Go. We're going to play the first song right now. Okay. Told them you were living downtown. That's all you I get. know that one. 
Let's, David knows it too. Let's see. Let's see. Give him a chance. David knows it, right? It's right after that. No? The boys are back in town. The boys are back in town. The boys are back in town. That's right. Let's hear it. Told them you were living downtown. Driving all the old men crazy, That's Lisa. That's right. This was Thin Lizzy's only top 40 hit in the U.S. Really? U.S. Did he gain USA. weight after Just that or something like that? Yeah, it must it be. It wasn't Thin Lizzy anymore? I Miller Lite commercial, too. Really? Yeah. Some, Could be. Uh, they had like a Japanese-style uh, rubber monster you know, tearing up a town, then grabs a, a, a Miller Lite truck and then starts, you know, opens the back end up and starts swallowing it. Okay. Oh, boy. All right. Let's play the let's second one. the next one. one. <laughs> Oh, that's a good one. Do you know, know that, that one, David? This is your theme song. That's right. Lisa. That's right. Right? You Do know, you know that, song, David? David? That was Devil Woman? That's right. That's <laughs> Cliff Richard, Devil Woman. Let's hear it. <laughs> that's a tough one. Here it is. I bet she does. So in this song, a man gets jinxed by a black cat with evil yellow eyes. It's not about me. <laughs> Carl's giving me the look. You uh, are the big winner, David. You have won the desktop indoor weather station, brought to you by American Weathermakers Heating and Cooling, the 60-Minute Men. Visit AmericanWeathermakers.com. Thanks so much for playing. You did a great job. Uh, way to go, Dave. Thank you for letting me on, and you have a very good evening. You keep your powder dry, live long and prosper. May the force be with you. <laughs> Same to you, David. Thank you so I appreciate much. you. Take care. All right, Lisa. You ready for the scariest of all? All the scary radio yep, shows. We're ready to do Lights this. Out. And here's a little background history on Lights Out. It was a horror series. It was originally created right here in Chicago at a station called WENR by a guy named Willis Cooper. It was a 15-minute show that was heard at midnight once a week. And it was very scary, got very popular. It was expanded to a 30-minute show way back in 1934, and then it went national in 1935 on NBC. These were grisly stories spiked with dark tongue-in-cheek humor and really the most horrific show on radio. Cooper left for Hollywood in 1936, and then they brought in Arch Obler. He took it over, and he stayed with it until 1938. Then in 1942, it was revived again on CBS, by Ironized Yeast, and he wrote some of the most horrific stories for Lights Out, including this one, Poltergeist, from October 20th, 1942. Here is part one now of Lights Out. Ironized Yeast presents Lights Out, everybody. It is... Later than you think. This is Arch Obler bringing you another in our series of stories of the unusual. And once again, we caution you. These lights out stories are definitely not for the timid soul. So we tell you calmly and very sincerely, if you frighten easily, turn off your radio now. But... If you're fascinated by the mysterious, the fantastic, the unearthly, 
than anticipate chills in our story of poltergeist. Jingle bells, jingle all the way. Oh, what fun it is to ride in a one-horse open sleigh. Hey, <laughs> that was swell. Now let's go to town. St. Louis woman with her diamond ring. Kicking that man oh, around. No. no, stop that, Kay. What's the matter? Am I scaring the horse? Oh, it seems like a sacrilege singing a song like that out here. This beautiful, clean snow and... Blue sky. Well, what's wrong with a hot song to keep us warm? If you think the St. Louis blues is going to dirty up the snow, you ought to hear Frankie and Johnny the way I sing it. Oh, stop it, Kay. You're not funny at all. Why can't you enjoy the fresh air without that cabaret sort of thing? Oh, just an old-fashioned gal, eh, Florence? How about you, Edna? Don't you like my songs either? You haven't said anything for the last five minutes. Well, I, I haven't been listening to you to tell the truth. I love to watch the snow sort of flow along under the sleigh. When you say that, gal, smile. Gosh, did you ever see more snow in your life? The man at the hotel said it had been snowing on and off up here for two weeks. I think coming out here to the country's the best thing we three have done since we started rooming together. Hiking in the snow's terribly healthy. Yeah, that's what I'm afraid of. The healthier I get, the worse I feel. <laughs> Crazy idiot. She does say the funniest things, doesn't she? I always say that Kay ought to... Hallelujah, we're here. Is this as far as we go, driver? That's right, miss. Can't go no further down this road account of the drift. Oh, my goodness. The drifts are too deep for a horse. How can we walk through them? I second the motion. Well, you young ladies don't have to worry none so long as you keep going down the valley over there. Snow ain't piled up that way all the way to Ma Jenkins. Oh, well, that's marvelous. Come on, girls. Let's get started. So long. Take care of yourselves, girls. Come on, Edna. Goodbye, Mr. Hill. Listen to the snow talking at us. It's very dry snow. Our feet rub particles of it together and the Ooh. friction makes a sound. It's kind of scary, yeah. isn't it? Why? Oh, I don't know. It's just yeah. as if the snow was sort of trying to talk to yeah. us. I mean, as if it was angry at our trespassing. Hey, don't tell me we're trespassing. I don't want any country squire taking any pot shots at my uh, constitutional amendment with rock salt. No, thank you. Oh, don't talk nonsense, Kay. We're not trespassing. Why, this path through the valley here over to Mrs. Jenkins' house is the favorite hike of everyone who comes up this way during the winter. What's Mrs. Jenkins got anyway that makes people walk their feet off? <laughs> Wait till you taste her cooking. Eat. Oh, boy, let's go. It's awfully quiet out here, isn't it? Oh, that's the glory of it. I've had the roar of the subway in my ears so long. Okay, don't walk so fast. Come on, look what I found. Oh, come on, Edna. Oh, please, let me take your arm. I'm getting out of breath. Well, take it easy. There's no hurry. <sighs> well, what is it, Kay? Look, through the circle of trees here. Look what I discovered. Well, isn't that interesting? It's a sort of a natural amphitheater. Sure. Say, who was this guy, Daniel Boone? What's an amphitheater? Well, that, that means an oval circling place with rising tiers of seats. It's, you know, like that place we went to for the horse show. Oh. Back in the times of the Greeks, they had outdoor theaters. Listen to the professor. They made use of places just like this where the ground sloped up and made a sort of a natural arena or stage below. Theater! 
That's an idea. Sit down, gals, and I'll give you a special performance of the K Follies. It's awful snowy here, isn't it? I'll trample it down with my spring dance. Welcome, sweet spring. <laughs> isn't she a nut dancing in the snow? If I had that girl's energy. She's really graceful, isn't she? I'll bet if she went on the stage. Oh, Kay! She fell. Kay! Oh. Kay, did you hurt yourself? Oh, did I land on my dignity? Here, give me a hand. Here, I'll help you. There you are. Oh, did I take a flop? Did you hurt yourself badly? I'll live. What in the world did I trip over? Oh, no wonder. Look at that rock under the snow. No wonder I did a nosedive. Oh, my gee. goodness. There are rocks like that all over. Oh. A person could break their neck if they. Girls, what's the matter? What is it? Kay, the rock you tripped over. It's not a rock. What are you talking about? Of course it's a rock. Well, yes, but it's something... something more than that. It's a tombstone. Oh! Tombstone? Oh, no, it, it can't be. Look it... for yourself. It says, Here lies buried the remains of one who, restless in life... Stop! Don't read anymore. Stop! And... and all these other stones laying flat on the ground. They're tombstones, too? Yes. Whew! What a place to pick to dance. Oh! What's the matter, Edna? What did you scream for? Kay, you... you danced on the grave. What? You danced on the grave. I saw you. I saw you do it. You danced on the grave. Okay. Edna, stop it. Stop it. Oh, what's come into her? Edna, stop acting Edna, stop for heaven's sake. Control yourself. Okay. Kay, I'm so sorry for you. You danced on a grave. For heaven's sake, stop talking like that. Sure, I danced on a grave. Well, yes, of course she did. It was perfectly accidental. And what if it was? What of The poltergeist. The what? Edna Hansen, what are you talking about? What's that word you just used? Poltergeist. Okay, what have you done? You superstitious little fool. If you don't stop talking that way, I'm going to slap your face. What's the matter with you? I didn't do anything. You walked on the grave. You danced on the grave. So Edna, what? be sensible. We all walked on graves, but it was purely accidental. Yeah. We had no intention of desecrating them. It doesn't matter, I tell you. It doesn't matter. The poltergeist, he'll come. I know he will. Oh, what's the use? She's crazy. Edna, what are you talking about? What's a poltergeist? What are you so frightened about? My father, he told me, if you walk on a grave, if you dance on a grave, the poltergeist. Poltergeist what? What is a poltergeist? An evil spirit. It comes out of the grave. It kills. It destroys. It'll kill us. It'll kill us all. Stop it. It throws things oh, out. Oh, please. Yeah. Lay off that. Will you? Will you? No. But it won't get me. I'll run Edna, away. come back I'll here. She's gone insane. I'll get her. Edna. Okay, catch her. Edna. Edna, don't run away. Nothing will hurt you. Nothing. Oh, Edna, look out. Okay. <laughs> okay, what happened? That stone. It hit Edna. Edna. Edna, open your eyes. Blood. Blood all over her face. Kay, who threw that stone? Who threw it? I don't know. It came from the graveyard. <laughs> now, girls, take it easy. Take it easy. Oh, doctor, she won't die. <laughs> Tell me she won't die. No, no, of course not. And you're sure that her skull isn't fractured? Oh, absolutely not. Maybe a little concussion, that's all. Well, it's almost five. Our train. Can we get someone to help us carry her down to the station so we can get her on board? Board? I'm telling you, that little friend of yours shouldn't be moved out of bed for a week. If you do, well, it might be just too bad. Oh, Flo, what'll we do? Uh, you go home, Kay. I'll stay with her. Oh, no, you won't. 
I'm not leaving you here alone in this godforsaken place. If you stay, I stay too. Kay, please be sensible. Why should we all lose our jobs when you If you'll excuse me, you ladies, I've got to be on my way. Oh, yes, of course, Doctor. Is there anything more you can do for Edna, Doctor? Any medicine or something? Nope, I've done all I can do. She's sleeping comfortable now. Uh, Miss? Yes, Doctor? The constable's sick too, you know, and he's sort of depending on me to keep things straight. Now, uh, just how did you say that little friend of yours got hurt? Well, it was just the way we explained, Doctor. That rock came flying and... Yes, yes, I know, but who threw the rock? We... we don't know. What? That's true, Doctor. We don't know. But somebody threw it. You can't change facts. Somebody threw the rock that cracked her head. For heaven's sakes, old man, you don't think we did it? No, miss, I didn't. excited. Doctor, you've got to believe us. It happened just the way we said. All at once, that rock came flying through the air from the direction of the graveyard. It struck Edna, and and we just didn't see who threw it. All right, if that's your story. Well, you'd better stay in your rooms here. I mean, you better not be leaving until the constable's on his feet and has a chance to talk with you. I'll be back in a few hours and see how the girl is. He doesn't believe us. What difference does it make? We know what we saw. But what did we see? She was running. She, She fell. Kay, well, let's not fool ourselves. There was no one there to throw that rock. There must have been. But there wasn't. Stop saying that! Aren't you brave enough to face facts? There wasn't any place for anyone to hide. I saw that stone. It seemed to come down out of the air. So slowly. Florence, if you don't stop talking like that... You remember what... What Edna said? It throws things. Stop looking at me like that. You're giving me the jitters. She said the poltergeist throws things. Spirit of evil. Florence, Rob, have you gone crazy too? Why should we laugh at things like that? What right have we got to laugh? How do we know there aren't powers we can't see or understand? Powers of evil that revenge and insult just like an evil man. Kay, how do we know? What are you talking like that for? What are you trying to scare me for? You, you're supposed to be the most intelligent one of us all. You with your college degrees. Sure, sure, I danced on the grave. But the dead are dead and they can't revenge a thing. I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid of anything. I tell you, it's not... What? It's Edna. Come on. Edna, we're coming to you. Don't be afraid. We're coming. Open the door, Florence. It's not locked. It's stuck. It won't Here, do. let me. Edna, what is it? What? <laughs> Edna, what? <gasps> on your head. Oh. 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 Hey, what's going on here? I run a decent place and I don't want you... <gasps> oh. The girl on the bed. Her head. It's... Crushed flat in by a rock. God in heaven. It's not a rock. It's a tombstone. All right, that's the first portion of Poltergeist, hosted by Arch Obler. And uh, that's from October 20th, 1942. B. Benaderet is one of those young ladies there. B. Benaderet was the voice 
of Betty Rubble on the Flintstones. She was also uh, the the mom on Petticoat Junction. Remember that series, Lisa? Petticoat, of course. Petticoat Junction. Petticoat Junction. Uh, Let's take a quick break, then it's more on the WGN Radio Theater. The proud, honorable men and women of our military are sacrificing their lives and their families for our freedom. Please take time to remember and pray for our men and women fighting overseas. This salute is courtesy of Siegel, Jennings, Fisk, Cart, Katz, and Regan. For information on the services they provide, call 312-726-1833. 312-726-1833. Siegel, Jennings, Fisk, Cart, Katz, and Regan is on the air saluting our troops. All right. You know what, Lisa? I absolutely love picking out the shows that we're going to put in the Classic Radio Club because I get to, I have 100,000-plus classic radio shows, and I'm always going through them, finding the best quality. And then Mike, of course, digitally remasters them. And we uh, and I work about four or five months in advance, so I'm working like in you know, March right now, probably somewhere around there, and picking out these 10 shows that we put in the Classic Radio Club every month. And it's, it's just so much fun, and I write the liner notes. So, folks, if you want to learn more about the Classic Radio Club, it's a way where you can get 10 classic radio shows, the best of the best of my entire library, direct from master recording, superior sound quality, and liner notes, and all that good stuff. Just go to ClassicRadioClub.com, ClassicRadioClub.com. All right, when we come back, we will uh, we'll go to news now, and then when we come back, it's more of life. Lights out. Texting and driving is very serious. Remember, safe driving is everyone's responsibility. Put the phone down. Don't text and drive. I won't. I know you won't. Not with me, you won't. This message, courtesy of Blaine's Automotive, located at 11917 South Arrow Drive in Plainfield. For the best in automobile service, stop by 11917 South Arrow Drive in Plainfield or call 630-877-0097. 630-877-0097. That's Blaine's Automotive on the air reminding everyone to arrive alive, don't text and drive. All right. Uh, We have the conclusion to Lights Out in just a second. And then when we come back here tonight, Lisa, we have two more scary radio shows. Well, this is our final Halloween hurrah. We're going to be playing Inner Sanctum Mystery and Suspense. And don't forget, folks, uh, Dan Jaffe and Dave Weiske will be here to talk about Cat's Pride and talk about, which is our main sponsor here, but also to give away, which is very generous, another year's supply of Cat's Pride kitty litter. That is a fantastic prize, uh, especially if you have a cat. Yeah, it would make more sense. So yeah. you can still send it in. It's not too late. The drawing is tomorrow send or tonight. Send in a picture to be uh, eligible to win. Right. Send in a picture of you or your kitty cat. Just your kitty cat's fine. Just so we don't need to see you unless you want to, and that's good too. Cat's Pride photo at gmail.com. Com. Include your name, your cat's name, your city and state, and just make sure it's in by about ten, you know, ten p.m. tomorrow. You'll be yeah, in the drawing. Don't uh, forget to do it because you could be the lucky winner. Yep. We pick someone every single 
month. I mean, 12 people a year win. That was pretty quick, Carl. What do you think of that, huh? <laughs> that was, it was sharp. You know what? My geometry and math teachers. Geometry. And, <laughs> and my math teachers be very happy and very proud of me. I'm proud of you. That I knew you. there was 12 months in a year. That's pretty good. Yeah, think about this. Uh, five years uh, or more we've been doing the show, right? Yes. Times 12. Times, times 12. That's 60. 60. That's 60. 60 years. 60 years of cat litter. That's a lot Cat's of cat pride, litter. That's cat litter. Very generous. Dan is a super generous guy. He's super great. And he loves classic radio. That's this whole the whole connection there. He loves these classic radio shows, and he is our biggest supporter here of these shows. So, And he loves the scary ones, like Lights Out and things like that. So let's get back now to Poltergeist on Lights Out. I I wish I could cry but I haven't got any more tears oh, Edna. Edna. Florence darling please you'll kill yourself if you keep on like that oh this horrible night would only end it was my fault mine I was the one who got her out here. She didn't want to go. She hates the country. But I made her come. I made her. No. No, you're not the one to blame. I am. I danced on the grave. But she was so good. So sweet. Oh, why did it have to be Edna? Why? You're right. It wasn't right for it to be her, was it? I did it, not her. I did it. I danced on the grave. I danced on the grave. You can't deny what you see with your own eyes. But I tell you, Doc, nobody could have carried that tombstone up the steps without me seeing him, could they? But there it is, ain't it? Yeah. There it is. Either somebody's playing a terrible joke or... You don't have to say it, Doc. I know. That's just the trouble. You don't know, and I don't know, and nobody knows. Yeah. And... And that tombstone. Well, what about the tombstone? I... I ain't quite sure, but... That's a tombstone out of the old burying grounds up at the bend. You're crazy. No, I ain't either. Well, that place is a good three miles from here. Yeah. I know. Who could have carted a heavy stone like that for three miles? Yeah. Who? Stop looking like that, you flap-eared old fool. Human hands carried that stone in here and killed that girl? Sure. Yeah, the constable will find out who did it the minute he's on his feet again. You wait and see. No, he won't, Doc. You're smarter than me and all that, but oh, this time you're wrong. There ain't nobody that takes in breath and leaves out breath like you and me. Or the constable's gonna find out who killed that girl. You know that, Doc. No, stop talking. I wish the constable was here and this night was over. It's been a terrible night. Terrible. Terrible clock. Ticking. Ticking. Yeah, I know. I've been sitting here listening to it. I can't stand it anymore. I'll stop it. Why bother with it? Come on to bed, Kay. Please. There's no use sitting there. It won't help her. Yeah, 
Nothing can help her. But maybe I can help you. Me? It was my fault. Mine. I was the reason it happened. It killed her and it'll kill you and me too unless I stop. No, don't say that. It's true. But why should you be hurt? I'm to blame, not you. Listen, Flo. I'll go out there. There? Out there to the graveyard. What? I'll talk to her. Can I'll, I'll tell her I didn't mean to do it. No. But I didn't know where I was dancing. Please. Maybe somehow it'll hear, listen to me, and, and then it won't hurt oh, you. Oh, no, no. I won't let you go out there. It'll kill but you. Florence. It'll kill you, too. Florence. No, no, I'll hold you. You can't go. You can't. All right. Come on to bed, Kay, please. In the morning... In the morning, things will be different. But it won't. Nothing will hurt us. And then they're right outside the door. They won't let anything get at us. Oh, please, Kay, please come to bed. Yeah. We'll... We'll pray. Pray? I don't exactly know how. Just say anything. Anything. Like this. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake... I pray the Lord my soul to take. Now you. If I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. Kay? Kay, are you asleep? I can't sleep anymore. Kay, tomorrow, I mean, when it gets light and everything, do you think people will believe us? Do you think so, Kay? I, I'm not quite sure what happened. I always used to be so sure about things. And now I'd... Kay? Kay, where are you? Kay, where... The window. She went out the window. She's gone out there, to the graveyard, to talk to it. Okay, why did you go? Why did you go? I'll go out there, too. Well, she'll be so frightened out there alone. I'll go, too. I'll go, too. Oh, so cold. My hands, snow's so sharp. Cutting my legs. Oh, why did you go out there, Kay? Why did you? I've got to find you. Wind. Oh, why doesn't the wind stop? Blow, blow, thou winter wind. Thou art not so unkind as... <laughs> Help her, Kay. We can't help Edna. But I'm coming to help you, Kay. 
I'm coming. This I'm coming. Way, Florence. Yes, I hear you. I hear you. I'm coming, darling. I'm coming to help. I'm coming to help you. I'm coming. I'm coming. I hear you. I hear you calling my name. I hear you. Yes. Yes. Yes, I hear you. I hear you. Where are you? Where are you? This way, Hooper. They must have come this way. <laughs> Climbing out the window like that in the middle of the night. They must have gone crazy, the both of them. Well, let's not worry about that now. We've got to find them. Here, give me that lantern. What is it, Doc? What have you found? A shoe. One of the girl's shoes. My gosh, stuck in the snow. We're going the right way. Come on, move fast. We've got to get to them. Doc, look at this. What is it? Over there. Ain't these footprints? Yes. Yes. Yes, that's right. Footprints. Hello? Up ahead. Hello? Doc, we're... We're getting pretty close to the old burying grounds. Well? Maybe... Oh, look here, Doc. Let's not be fools. Let's wait till morning. What? Let those frightened girls freeze to death? Get along. But, Doc, I... You come uh, with me or the whole town will know what a yellow-livered no-good you are. All right. All right. You don't have to get so sore, Doc. Hello? Hello? Anybody up there? Hello? Doc. Doc, look. What? There they are. Up ahead. Glory be, they're alive. The both of them. Come on. Doc. Doc, look at them. That's the burying ground up there. And they're dancing. Dancing on the graves. Well, they must be out of their heads. Come on, we've got to stop them. Doc! Doc, wait for me! Oh, Doc, it's... It's Doc again. Where are they, Doc? Where are the girls? Have they... Have they stopped dancing? Yes. Huh? They've stopped dancing. Did... Did they ever dance? What are you talking about, Doc? We saw them. We saw them dancing in this place with our own eyes. Did we? The moonlight. Here it comes again. See with your eyes again. <gasps> oh, no. Both of the girls froze stiff to the ground. Each with her head crushed by a tombstone. Strobler, would you mind telling us, me, whether there actually are such things as poltergeists? All I can tell you is this. 
There are authenticated records in existence that in the city of London on the 27th day of April, 1872, from four in the afternoon on a Thursday until half past 11 at night, a certain room in a certain house was deluged by stones thrown from no apparent source. The London police surrounded the house, but they found no trace of whoever or whatever was throwing those stones with a murderous violence. I, um, I see. So much for poltergeist. Lights out. Written and directed by Arch Obler will come to you again next Tuesday at the same time. And if you need more vitamin B and iron, be sure to try ironized yeast. The one and only ironized yeast. With the big letters IY on the package and on each tablet. It is later than you think. Oh, that was creepy, huh, Lisa? Oh, yeah. We're full of creepy tonight. (laughs) (laughs) October 20th, 1942. That's Lights Out with Poltergeist. Hope you enjoyed that. Let's take a quick break. Then it's more on the WGN Radio Theater. The proud, honorable men and women of our military are sacrificing their lives and their families for our freedom. Please take time to remember and pray for our men and women fighting overseas. This salute is courtesy of Siegel, Jennings, Fisk, Cart, Katz, and Regan. For information on the services they provide, call 312-726-1833. 312-726-1833. Three three Siegel Jennings Fisk Cart Cats and Regan is on the air saluting our troops. Should I be driving my car over to your house to trick or treat? Do you have good trick or, uh, tr- treats? I do have good trick or treats. Because if not, I'm going to do a trick to your. Let uh, me tell you. You know, when I was a kid, it's all about the chocolate, and I've got it. I used to put like uh, a pin in the in the uh, doorbell, and it would just continue to ring. You know, you put it. A Did little- you really? Yeah, you put a little pin in there and then you ring it and it would really? stick and it would ring, ding, ding. No, ding. I didn't. That's a do trick that. that I'm going to do if you don't give I have me good the treats. Best, I have the best treats. What do you have? Well, maybe you'll have to come over no, and find out. I mean, come on. I bought the I bag. Can't wait. I bought the bag of the good stuff. It's like, got uh, uh, Milky Way, Three yeah, I Musketeers, like, I like Snickers, Eminem. It's got Eminem. Wow, really? You got good stuff. It's like a whole variety. But no, there's That's no. That's my favorite. Chunky. I like peppermint. What about raisinets? Ooh, no, those are peppermint patties. Ew, raisinets are horrible. Peppermint. Those patty. are the best. Uh, I purposely didn't buy those, those because horrible. I would eat them. Although those are horrible. M&M's are always good. Yeah, uh, M&M's. Yeah. You can't go wrong. I got the wrong. whole Mars the Do you whole like Mars the peanuts pack. M&M's or just the plain? No. You know, they, they melt in your mouth, not, not in, in your, your hands. There's a lot more than that now. There's caramel. There's cookie. There's pretzel. There's What that set you back? How much was that? The where'd bag? you buy it at? Did you buy it at Woodman's? Well, uh, no. I bought it at Walgreens. Oh. Yeah, I got Woodman's it. would have been cheaper. Well, you know what? Woodman's is it's great. probably true. Walgreens had a sale. It was buy one big bag, get the second one half price. Yeah, Woodman's so, probably better, though. <laughs> we got two big bags And you know candy. what I love, love about Woodman's more what? than the selection and the price? What? They have gigantic carts. You like to sit in the Huge cart? Huge carts. Get pushed around? I don't sit in the cart, <laughs> but I because I, when I go to Woodman's, I load up. I like buy a whole week or a week and a half's worth of food. Yeah, but and there's so just I want two a of big you, cart. right? Yeah, well, how he, many, my how son much? eats. He eats a lot. He eats a lot. Okay. He eats a lot. And what about you? Do you eat a lot? 
Not as much as my son. <laughs> I don't need any much anywhere near as much as my son. All right, so uh, you've got the good stuff. Of I don't have to I put do. a You'll pin have... in your doorbell. No, you do not. Oh, I am good. armed and ready for I, Halloween. I, I, that's one less pin I'll have. You know, to... it might snow on Halloween. There will be very few trick or treaters if it does. Snow. I heard that. Snow. It's possible. Ugh, it's I more have than to, possible. I have to watch Tom Skilling's forecast. He's doing like the long, his whole forecast for the whole winter. Okay, he thinks we're going to have. Well, it's he's supposed to be a rough winter. Really? Yes. Don't I, you I listen to the news? I don't hear that. <laughs> you I say that hear. every year, though. I, I know, but maybe it's true every year. I One don't know. Thing, I, I mean, if it was any indication of the polar vortex last year, it, mm-hmm. I can't imagine it being worse than it's that. It's supposed to be a rough winter, and it might snow on Halloween. That's what I hear. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But you can come over and I will give you candy. But I will not give you Raisinets or Chunkies. See, but those are my two favorite. No, well, you, you what get, are you going to dress up uh, Carl, as this year, Lisa? Do you know? Carl needs to get uh, a toothbrush and toothpaste That's a for great, trick-or-treating. That Why? Be, that's a good giveaway. <laughs> I um, have a lot of that at home. <laughs> what am I going to dress up as? Yeah. Well, I don't know. I have a few options. I'll have to decide last okay. minute. I can't make that commitment. I usually just wear my baseball uniform. I know. I can't make my a Cubs, commitment. It's my too Cubs early. Uniform. Uh, all right. So when we come back here tonight, 11 p.m., Lisa, it is Inner Sanctum Mystery and Suspense.